Welcome back to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And today we are coming to you not live from Kelly's basement. And we have some interesting things to chat about today, but Kelly has to catch us up first on her accident. Yeah, so I've been in contact with the gentleman whose car I hit a few weeks back. I can't remember what episode that was when I confessed my crime. I'll have to look and see. I'll put it in the show notes. But we have been in contact. We have text, been texting and the grand total of my damage is $75. <laughs> so I'm going to pay the shop and brewer a, a check and we're going to have a peaceful end to this story. Well, that's good. I'm really glad this didn't end up with you in jail because that would have been tough. <laughs> Although we could have done like those payphone jail recording calls and just do it every 20 minutes and have to put in... More money. Been fun. Would have been good. Do they still have those? Maybe. I'd like to imagine you. You in jail. Now, um, <laughs> tell them about my basement because I'm going to tell you about that picture right there. Kelly's basement is the basement of a colonial home in New England. So I believe there was paneling on the wall at one time and it's gone. And it has old outlets. So we need an adapter. And she has a picture of a horse and she's going to share this picture of her horse so my husband comes from about five generations of only children and his father had passed away maybe what we're coming on three years and we have this picture of john r braden and his grandmother and his great-grandmother used to write notes on everything and on the back of the picture it says John R. Braden, a very famous racehorse at Presque Isle Fair during the 1920s. James Allen Smith, your maternal grandfather, bought this home one time from a fundraising affair. A, f- a great story to tell. And then there's an article taped to the back <laughs> of it from Down East Magazine, November 2014 issue. And it talks about how famous this horse is the picture of the horse and so this has been an ongoing joke in the family we bring the horse to uh, when we want some good luck and so he's now in the basement for cribbage nights oh okay yes. I was gonna say this is obviously a family heirloom if it's in the corner of your basement and then we also have Francis I don't know if you saw Francis yes he looks like a haunted mansion picture Francis uh, his eyes are kind of following me isn't it creepy so we're looking at Francis Strout, who was the superintendent in Fort Fairfield for many years, and this was his superintendent um, portrait. We had always planned to donate it to Fort Fairfield um, when we received it, but then it felt wrong. So that is also in the basement for good luck. So James used these are James's good luck uh, charms for. Does it work? He thinks it does. I mean, and he has to be in the basement because, like you said, he. The eyes are very creepy. Yes. it's It looks like a Haunted Mansion portrait of a, of a superintendent, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So we're talking about luck and skill. Mm-hmm. And so that leads into our topic for today, which is how do you talk about your kids and how do you cross, you know, walk the line of celebrating them without being cocky or bragging? And what kinds of things do you not talk about and what kinds of things do you talk about? There's sort of, I'm thinking there's sort of three main ones and your kiddos are still a little. So you haven't run into this yet. I'm thinking there's the academic side, the athletic side, and the artistic side. 
mm-hmm. of kids. What are your thoughts with under sixes? What have you run into so far? What have you noticed as a parent of preschoolers? I think it's been tough because I haven't had a lot of kids to necessarily compare mm-hmm. my kids to, so I don't know if they're I don't know what what their challenge what their challenges are or what their strengths are. I mean, I know Cameron is pretty good at art. But I think with academics, once I get into school age, when everyone's kind of measured on the same standard, that's when that's when I'm assuming some of these interesting. I think that what happens once you get into the school years is that you are no longer in a in our situation, a self-selected group of people. Mm-hmm. It's and also the other thing, too, is that, for instance, one of my daughters, people are like, oh, she's so tall and she's actually one of the shortest girls in her class. But to everyone else, she looks like she's so tall because they knew her when she was 21 inches long when she was born. So obviously being a little bit over four feet is tall compared to that. When your only exposure is your own kid, it's sort of the way uh, Dave described it when our kids started to talk. He was like, imagine if your dog just turned around and all of a sudden started talking to you and said, hi, dad. I love you. How are things? And like, it doesn't happen. But it's such a weird thing when your kid starts to talk. It's like it blows your mind. And especially with a first kid, I think it's easy to be like, this is absolutely the most amazing kid that ever did anything because they're on two feet. They're talking to me. And it's not a fever dream. Like this has to be the coolest kid in the world. Then once they get into the school years, I think you start to sort of be like, oh, they all talk. Okay. All right, so that's sort of like an average expected behavior from a baby that turns into an eventual kid. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the reasons why when you get into the school years that starts to show up and you start to be like, start to be humbled a little bit about your amazing child. All children are amazing. Well, I do think one of the challenges is just the way school is structured in general, all types of school, all the way up through college. Mm-hmm. There's a there's typically an emphasis on a couple areas and let's like just go back to the art for example Cameron really enjoys art and he goes to some art camps and and he likes to do art projects at home but in school art is only I think every other week in our in our schools so even if you were phenomenal at art in the day to day culture of the school it's not going to be part of your your label or your celebration. Right. Because there's so many other things that are the primary Unt- focus. Uh, well, until he gets to high school and starts giving the other kids tattoos and then he'll be known for it. Oh, they do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he will. He'll oh. just make his own gun. <laughs> Going back to your prison time. <laughs> oh my no, he'll be the one that draws, that has the cool like notebook covers and stuff like that. Yeah. Drawing cool stuff like that. I think that that's totally true. That when they are artistic it's not exactly something that gets celebrated in public schools just like empathy doesn't really get celebrated right. i'm all about multiple intelligence i think there yes. are multiple intelligences and i can think of students that i taught when i was in the public schools who struggled with the traditional things but were so one kid was basically a backyard mechanic and he would take apart engines and put them back together i couldn't do that i could mm-hmm. diagram a sentence mm-hmm. but i couldn't disassemble a car and get it back running again but he was very skilled in that and it was like it was a strength of his and there was no place for that in a k-8 school Mm -hmm. except for to be a 
teacher who knew it existed and to try to encourage it and to have it be something because it's also hard when you're the kid who doesn't do well in the traditional areas to always be the one who doesn't do well in the traditional areas. Right. And I do think that's something that we really need to evaluate. I don't know the answer per se, but I do see that we've kind of created an infrastructure where the expectation is everyone's prepping for college. And I, I, I have seen some things recently where it's where we're there does seem to be some kind of um, push or encouragement to do other, to pursue other talents. But do you know what I mean? Yes. Every kid isn't, maybe that wouldn't be their greatest strength or where their true passion would come out to go to a four-year college right? and learn about something that doesn't, doesn't really light them up. The other major issue that I see, and I don't know what you think about this, is that making people choose their degree or their lifelong career at 17 years old because that's what we do right now they're doing it earlier it's it's, that it's absurd the brain doesn't fully mature until age 25 and we make children was your major nursing from the start oh yeah have you ever heard about the story yes well because i knew because you're a waitress yeah we talked about that and i just was just verifying i I never changed but i it's very uncommon super uncommon yeah to not change mine changed Multiple times. Most people's change. My first major was creative writing. Then I went to school for, um, it was like going to be like a two-year degree in human services, which would have been like social work. And then I decided to just do liberal studies and go travel. And then, so I got that. I got an associate's degree in liberal studies and then I traveled for a while. Then I went back and decided to go back and do education. And then I kind of stuck on that path. But by the time I went back for education, it was, I was 25 years old by the time I actually fell into that pattern. And now there's such an, they they start kindergarten in some schools, say, okay, we're getting you college or career ready. And no, just get them ready for recess and mm-hmm. lunch and get them ready to be good people that can talk to other people and can be kind and nice and, and open to new ideas, but also not crazy. And let's get them through that. Whereas college and career ready shouldn't be something that we're really focusing on mm-hmm. at that age. Well, James, I don't know if I've ever told you about his story, but he loved his psychology teacher in high school. Well, our psychology teacher in high mm-hmm. school. And he decided that he wanted to earn his PhD in psychology when he was in high school. So he went to school for psychology. Mm-hmm. And then we were supposed to graduate the year we were supposed to graduate in January. So we should have graduated in May. And he called me in January, a week before classes were supposed to start, and said, I changed my major to engineering. Oh, my God. And (laughs) (laughs) How much of it transferred? How much of it counted? Well, turns out that he had fulfilled all the requirements for the psychology degree, except for the capstone course. But psychology is a Bachelor of Arts, and engineering is a Bachelor of Science. So he had to start all over. So he actually has two degrees. Did he finish the psychology he one? I feel it. like when you get to that point, you just have to... He had to. Round it off, go back to the beginning, yeah. finish the lap, and start again. Don't, like, walk away at the finish line. He, and he did. But the course that he needed, the way his schedule worked out, he actually took his senior seminar for engineering and the senior capstone for psychology uh-huh. in the same semester. So he, he graduated the same time with two degrees. How many years did that take him? Um, six and a half years. And I think he ended with 256 credit hours. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember that debt I was talking about? Yes. Um, that was for two. Most there's dollars James's and it's all degrees. paid off, but there's dollars yes. for every yes. for every credit. That's yes. for sure. There is a focus on choosing your career and choosing your degree so much earlier. And I am one who if 
the girls come home and say, I want to try this. If it's relatively reasonable, yeah. I'll say, yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting in this middle school year, especially for my older daughter to to see all these options she has. So she's done orchestra for a while. I think she's going to stop doing it after the end of this year because it's at 7.30 in the morning Mm -hmm. and it is tough to get a kid out and at the school at 7.30 in the morning. It's not tough for me because that's when I go to work, but it's been rough and she doesn't really seem to practice as much at home, so she wants to try piano lessons. So we might try piano after this. What did she play in the orchestra? A violin. Oh, I played the violin. Yeah. I quit, too. When did you quit? I believe maybe sixth grade. Yeah. The other thing is that I loved band. I was in band from fifth grade, which was the first year you could do it, until 12th grade. And I had the same teacher every year, like the way, because it was a small district. So I had my band teacher was there from fifth grade to 12th grade. What did you play? I played the clarinet and then the bass clarinet. Which is big, and you have to stand on the floor, which makes it cooler. Yeah. So I did that. But my, my band teacher was amazing. And when once you got to seventh grade, I went to a 712 junior high high school. In seventh grade, you had band five days a week, all year long. I spent more time with my band teacher some weeks than I did with my own parents. We just did... Because every morning you had band. He took us on these trips to New York City, to Boston. We went to competitions. We did parades. We did so much with band and I loved it. But one of the things that I realized when I was having yet another like, oh my God, you have to get out of the house. I have to get you there because it's 730. We have to go. We have to go. Is that I got a lot of a lot of what I got from band was that teamwork kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was not an athlete. Mm -hmm. I was a manager. Which still doesn't get the teamwork thing. It just gets you a ride on the bus. Mm-hmm. I was not an athlete, and Ingrid is. And so she started field hockey and loves it. And now she's doing the swimming team, and she loves it. And she loves diving, so she's going to try diving at the Y starting this weekend, doing diving lessons, because she be loves fun. that. And she's a pretty good... Like, I actually texted my best friend, who is an athlete, and said, you're going to love this. But there was a thing today, I guess, that... Some of the girls in her class were annoyed that the boys kept throwing the ball to her, but she's Ingrid's very literal and very practical. She's like, well, I'm saying I'm open mm-hmm. and I'm the left guard or left forward. I don't even know what she is, but whatever pl- part she was playing in this handball game. And so and she got three goals. And so she would say I'm open and she can get her goals. So they would throw her the ball. That is literally the exact opposite experience i had to go to special gym did i ever tell you about this i think i would be in special gym if they made special gym when i and literally fifth and sixth grade they had me do special gym you guys had a special gym in your tiny school no i didn't have a special gym kelly i went to special gym (laughs) they had a class for special gym for special kids who were like what did you guys do uh i wore a hockey mask while the teacher threw (laughs) <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face, but I swear to God, it's true. While the teacher threw balls at me to try to get me to stop flinching during regular gym. <laughs> so that's how that's how we compare athletically. Wow. Mean, meanwhile, Ingrid literally drew blood. Someone drew blood on her because she dove for the ball and the other kid dove for it and he scratched her on the way up. Diving for a ball is something that has I have never done in my life ever ever now did she do any sports before did she play sports before she did she did soccer but we but we've always been really sort of when they were 
preschool, we did, I tried to do something every weekend and it was really more for me than for her Mm -hmm. to get us out of the house because if we had a destination, otherwise we would just, you know, melt into the couch and never leave the house. Mm -hmm. So we did, we did swimming lessons. So we did swimming lessons. We did gymnastics. I didn't want to go too far with gymnastics because that's a really, that's a very injurious sport, especially for girls. And she was, she was never going to be a, a gymnast. Like she's, that's just not who she is. Mm-hmm. And then she was, decided to try soccer in second grade. So she played soccer for a few years. And then this year they said, a lot of kids play soccer at the school. And so she decided to try field hockey and loves it. Like she actually was asking me today or this week uh, if she could come to my school's college hockey games because we have a we actually have one like regional championships and stuff so she wants to come see what a college field hockey game looks like and she loves it and it's so funny to see her out there because she is little but she gets into it and she and she's good at it and she's very competitive with sports so I said you know all that teamwork and all that stuff I got from band Mm -hmm. maybe you're getting it from field hockey maybe you're getting it from these other activities that I just never had access to and was never interested in. So sure, if you want to quit orchestra and you want to take, she'd love to take piano lessons. She has a keyboard in her room that Dave bought off Facebook Marketplace mm. uh, behind a Hannaford. A little creepy, but he got it. And he like 30 bucks and she plays that all the time. And so she would kind of like to take just piano lessons to learn how to play the piano. And I, But I have said, if you do that, you have to practice it at home. It can't be just a once a week. kind of a thing I think that's one of the things you know so trying to give my kids the opportunity and being fortunate enough Mm -hmm. to give my kids those opportunities is a huge thing that they can try it out it's harder for me to let them quit it yeah so our our rule is you finish the season so she's gonna finish out the year for orchestra I'm like you, you know they're counting on you for the spring concert yeah and finish out the year and then we'll be done with it. Giving them the opportunity to try new things and then finding out I would and I would never have ever pegged one of our kid one of me and Dave's kids as being someone who was really into sports. Like it's she might start going to church. I don't know. She might tag along with you and <laughs> really rebel. <laughs> Actually I'm missing the church the church does this big Easter carnival every year and we always go. Uh, but I'm going to miss it because it's the same day as the um, gun march in Washington. Easter's a week later. Yeah, it's like they take they take out all the pews and chairs in the church and they turn it into a big carnival. And it's oh, open yeah. to the public. And there's an Easter egg hunt and games and you can get tickets and prizes. and It's fun. You know, we didn't even do Easter until she was... The first time we did Easter, she was four and I was very heavily pregnant. I think it was, I think it was like an April... It was April 4th because I had Willa on the 5th and she was like how come we don't do, how come we don't have an Easter bunny how come it's kind of us and we're like ah oh, crap we gotta do the Easter bunny so we got eggs and hit them and made a little Easter basket and so then we started doing it after that only because she asked kind of like when we had Amy on talking about Santa she wanted the Santa yeah so we did so we do fake Easter and I remember being and it was a really hot weekend and we were doing Easter egg hunts right before I had on April 5th Willa April 4th it I'm was hoping we could have that same it was, yeah, it was so hot and because both of my babies were maybe or were spring babies my ankles swelled up and I called the doctor I'm like I don't know what's wrong she's like yeah it's hot this is I'm like oh I'm so glad I didn't have babies in the summer <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yes so when I look at the athletic piece it's also hard to try to separate yourself 
from mm-hmm. what your kids want. And and so that was really so I can own that and say, but why would you give up band? I love that. But be like, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so she's not me. She's finding this joy in other places. So we can let it go. But it still feels a little. Oh, <laughs> I think Cameron, I don't know what he'll land on. And I, that doesn't bother me at all. Maybe James might have a more difficult time with it because James is very athletic and super into sports. But I was just like, he likes to, he, want, he wants to try everything. And I was just like that. Like I used to, in middle school, I'd get dropped off at 6 a.m. Yeah. I was in science club. I was on student council. I did cheering. I did band. I can't, I can't think of all the other things. I was in the newspaper. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I, all day, every day. And I loved it. I wanted to do everything. And I think Cameron's going to be a lot like that. He's going to want to try everything. And that's how well, he's and I think, can, can you share the story about the meetings? What meetings? I mean, I think that's because I was into all that. I wasn't, except for sports, I was into all that stuff too. But the one when he said, who's going to be at the meeting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I was planning to attend the Moms Demand Action meeting in Bangor. And I was telling the kids that we were going to be attending the meeting and there were going to be kids activities and they were they had to come and that some of their friends would be there and Cameron said oh, I already know it's going to be Gretchen and w- our friends Willa Willa and Ingrid are going to be there and I said how'd you know it was going to be Gretchen and he goes because Gretchen always goes to those meetings with you <laughs> <laughs> well I think it kind of speaks to obviously yeah. this is not something new that we have we've always been drawn to like right. being involved and doing stuff yeah, right exactly so and and so and I love that for and I love that and Ingrid doesn't just do sports she also does like student council she's a library assistant very into that very takes her job very seriously has learned to shelve which is nice because she gets to see all the books and kind of browse while she's working through her shift is this at the school at the school yeah do they is it after school no it's during study hall oh they have a study hall one quarter a week so or one one quarter a so she doesn't do homework during it she it's only two days a week she does it the other three she can do homework so so she gets involved in those activities there are some things too that she is quite mediocre at and it's just sort of like all right good i and i'm glad you're trying new things and i'm glad you're doing what you're doing i think that this is fantastic but i i try so i i'm trying to think of how i celebrate my kids like i think it's pretty clear that I do love them mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and love them for things other than just the points they score and all that. One of the things that really drives me nuts is when I go to the games, first of all, I don't know the rules. And mm-hmm. I don't I, I mean I know that like you're supposed to put it in the end where you're where the other goalie is. Like that's I'm like, okay, so you just gotta get it down there. So I don't know the rules. But I really hate it when parents coach from the sidelines yeah not like if you're a volunteer if you're a parent volunteering to coach your kids team then you are the coach and I am not talking about you mm-hmm. but when I'm sitting there and these parents are just screaming I remember, and I remember this from even before I had kids when I was teaching I remember going to a soccer game and every parent was like kick it at a soccer game I'm like well no shit you're supposed to kick the ball but maybe if everyone just stopped screaming kick it they could hear the coach and figure out how they're supposed to get there when I go to games the ball is near her you'll hear me go yay Ingrid (laughs) and that is the extent of my cheering go or you know go team yay 
And they, there's always these great signs that say, you know, kids are kids. This is not the major leagues. This is you You see them go around Facebook with the start of every season. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to go and I'll go to the games and I'll sit in my. Have you ever seen my um my sideline sofa? No. <laughs> we have a double folding chair from Kelty. And so it holds the three of us to watch Ingrid's games and it unfold, unfurls and I keep it in the back of my car during any kind of sports season that involves bringing your own seating. I need to start doing that because I don't have a seat. Oh, yeah. You need a seat. Yeah. And so I just sit back. It has cup holders and I sit back and I'll get a coffee or go team. <laughs> Yay. Was that a goal? on? That was our goal. OK, good. Yay. Is it over? What's happening? I don't know. Now, do you think you'd be more fired up about band or um, Girl Scouts? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the all, like the other the other things. First of all, they're not as competitive. And actually, this year I learned that middle school is the year that the band actually sounds like music mm. and not just <laughs> screeching like organized just mm-hmm. string screeching in one room that you have to try not to flinch at and also applaud for, which is tough. Mm-hmm. But this year, they actually sound like they were making music. So I'm kind of bummed that just by the time they figure out how to make music, we're bailing. But mm-hmm. maybe we'll have a lot and want to do it. And I've also tried to honor both of my kids. They're both so different from each other mm-hmm. and so different from me and from Dave. She's more. And I, well, I did the I did drama club because I did all the clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that, too. Yes. The play. Yeah. That involved singing. I didn't sing. Horrible. I'm a horrible singer. And I did solos. And I don't know why anyone let me because you're saying that in middle school it started to sound like music. Mine still sounded like screeching, like a whale or something. It was the worst. (laughs) Have you ever seen uh, Steel Magnolias? No. Oh, okay. That was the play we did my senior year. And I was Weezer, which. Oh, I watched Parks and Rec. Yes. I don't know if I'm offended or not that you think I'm Leslie Nope. You know, it's not. It's a compliment of the highest order. You need to just keep watching. <laughs> I couldn't watch after the first episode. You got to keep watching. <laughs> she just seems like such an airhead. No. Which I, can, I know I can present that way it, sometimes. This, it starts off. You, if you, did you watch the first one? Yes. So it's the first one. Like it takes a little, takes a few episodes to get traction, but you want to watch it to understand it and, and get through. So you're going to okay. want to watch it. So I did plays and I did stuff like that. But that is also, you don't go to your kids, like with sports, you're at games once a week. With plays or with orchestra, it's once a year or twice a year. And Willa is very into theater type stuff. But so she's doing like a show choir thing and she likes it. But I said, do you want to do the next session? No, I don't want to do the next session. I don't like that. It's different plays that they're doing and she doesn't like the the next one's Trolls. And she's like, I don't want to do Trolls. She's done Moana and she's done Sing. Okay, we don't have to do it. But she's interested in, they're doing a Junie B. Jones play this summer, mm. but it's weeks that I have her, so I can't, in good faith, sign her up for, it, like, Girl Scout camp happens through there and all that. Mm. But they're so different. Yeah. So Willa loves, loves makeup. Loves it. And as you know, I've been struggling to find my outer diva and apply it to my face. Mm-hmm. And that's been a little tough. But she has more makeup than me. I actually borrowed her makeup brush, which I commented on Facebook about. 
because I was like, oh, this doesn't look right with my fingers. I'm like, well, do you have a like a makeup brush? Oh, sure, mom. Here, you can have this one. So I had one of her. And it's like a real tool because I I will buy her like the real sets of Ulta for not like the $40 ones, but the Ulta brand. They're usually at Christmas will be like $10 and it's 27 glittery pink eyeshadows. And she loves that kind of stuff. But so she's let me use one of her tools and I went and bought my own. But she's so, so wants to be glamorous and all of this and Ingrid wears free shirts that she gets from camps and was like yeah whatever this and leggings it's just different it's weird how they're so different Uh, it is my kids are so different too and Cameron wants to do all the things Maxwell wants to sit at home by himself I mean he would never leave the house if we didn't let him if we let him stay here he would stay and in Cameron he has to be deathly ill to miss school He'll hide sickness because he doesn't want to miss school. Maxwell, he woke up this morning. He goes, I still have a fever. Yay, I can't go to school. <laughs> he it, it, he has a good time when he's there too, but he's just such a homebody. I, I can't see Maxwell getting involved in very many things because I just, I think it's exhausting. I think he's going to be a, more introverted and it's going to be exhausting to him to, to do much extracurriculars, even though I'm going to try to encourage him to because I think it is important for you i think it's good to find something that you can do that you can feel like you're learning and yeah and you know and getting better at second grade was when ingrid tried soccer so the soccer thing was kind of i was like oh well do you want to try soccer and she was like no no like (laughs) why why would i do soccer no i was like okay even though you're very glamorous i just want to make sure that you know that sports are an option too if you want to try one she's just like "Hmm, no no now have you had experiences with peers or parents talking about academic performance i have i'll you know i'll hear people talk about various things and and different stuff and it's just sort of i think it sort of peaks and then it drops down as their kids get older and you realize that they're all pretty much kids and then sometimes i think some of the smartest kids in the room have the quietest parents Mm -hmm. you know and just don't need to advertise it and don't need to get that sort of recognition. It's so funny. I was just having this conversation with one of our friends. She, Her son is uh, quiet and does really well. And she was talking to me about this. And I said, I see it as a college professor. There's mm-hmm. this usually, and I don't know how, what your experience is like, but 99% of the time, the kids, the students at the top of the class are usually also the quiet not the quietest but the most humble yes yep humble they do the work they get it mm-hmm. done they don't nitpick about two points on their test and then they're also the toughest on themselves too i find it, oh they're the ones if they earn a 95 they will be in your office wanting to understand how to do better in the next time they always are prepared they have the questions ahead of time for written assignments etc absolutely i think that they worry or they're the toughest on themselves or worry the most and then you've got the other students who um, maybe should be in and aren't, or the ones who think that they're the top and maybe the loudest when they don't realize how far ahead other people are from them. So that's right. inter- that's interesting that you find that with the kids' parents as well. I think so. I th- sometimes, you know, when, when someone's crowing really loudly, uh, you know, it's like, are you saying this for me? Mm-hmm. Or you're saying it for you. And I think it's good. I think it's really important for your kids to hear you say nice things about them, mm-hmm. you know, but also not to make it so that it's like an uncomfortable thing. So just 
for instance, with field hockey, I actually made a point to go speak to the gym teacher who was also the field hockey coach at parent teacher conferences. And Dave was like, why? I'm like, well, I just want to tell her. I feel like it made a big difference in her adjustment to middle school. And I just wanted to thank her because I didn't really talk to her. There's a lot of kids on the team. And she had no idea that Ingrid loved it so much because Ingrid's so quiet herself. Mm-hmm. She was like, she was such a little athlete and she did so good. And so, so here I am bragging about my kid saying, mm-hmm. I don't like to brag about my kid, but she did well for never having played before. And the coach still couldn't tell if she was having a good time. Mm-hmm. She knew she was doing well, but is she enjoying it? Like she kind of sits quietly on the bus and does whatever. And I was like, no, she loved it. And it was kind of nice to have that conversation with the coach to say, to be able to tell her, thank you for making this a good transition to middle school. And to re- I think the coach was reassured to hear that she had a good time and had enjoyed it because you wouldn't have necessarily known that from her interactions because she she i have a picture of her sitting on the bench reading a book during a game mm-hmm. i'm like it's a funny picture you can't really do that like yeah. you, I was like, what's well, a really good book i'm like i i know just put it down walk away pay attention to pay attention to the game yeah you know in case you need to go in you know which which goal you need to put the ball thing in whatever it is i think that that's another piece is that even that your kids shouldn't be able to hear you say nice things about them, but it shouldn't be a bullhorn. And I also think that you should never, I believe you should never dress down a teacher or a coach in front of your student or your mm. kid. Oh, I think absolutely. that that's important as well. That if you have a problem that you handle it quietly and away from the kid, because I think it makes kids, I know it makes kids super uncomfortable to have those. They're all leaders and adult leaders in their lives. And when they see that kind of conflict, it can be really uncomfortable for the kid. Mm-hmm. I think that, like what you were saying earlier about um, kids being hard on themselves, even in the beginning of the year with Cameron, I was really, really anxious, and you know, about his reading. Yes. And you kept telling me, oh, you were, I almost getting annoyed <laughs> with me, Kelly, he's fine, he's going to be fine, it's fine. But I was so worked up about it. I just... I was I was so worried that he wasn't going to get it. Well, it's a big I mean, it's a big yeah. transition to go to kindergarten yeah. and to start in the school. And then once you get in there and kind of get going, in most cases, it all evens out. And mm-hmm. sometimes and if it doesn't even out, you can have a, there's usually a team of people that can help you try to figure out why it's not evening out. Mm-hmm. And, the, and even when I was teaching, the parents that get the most concerned and most worked up about their kids that means that their kids already have a million advantages mm-hmm. than some other kids whose parents never pay attention. The other, but on the flip side, because there's always two sides to every coin, it's also really important to not steamroll your kid. Your kid has to have that agency. It's part of becoming an adult that mm-hmm. you have to learn how to ask a question. So if you need extra help in math, I am not going to call the teacher you're the one who sees him every day mm-hmm. make the appointment i'll give you a ride to school early if you need it but that's where my duty ends if there's a problem you handle it i've had to clarify that with teachers that that's what we're doing in some cases because i think that there is this expectation that parents are breathing down their kids necks and their teachers necks and doing all the even in at the college level oh well when i when i took my first job in academia during or orientation week one the dean said to me, okay, so when you meet with students, make sure you document everything. And they were showing me where to put it. 
And um, and I said, okay, that kind of made sense. And then they said, because when the parents call, and <laughs> I was mortified. I said, wait, excuse me? The parents are going to call me? And they said, oh, yes, they will call. And they did. I don't have it as much now, but we did. We I, At that, where I worked before, we had, I had a lot of parent calls. Yeah. And they're not... There's not a lot they can do in college because of FERPA, and I don't think that um, parents always realize that they don't. If the waivers they, aren't signed, they, they can't talk I, to you. I pay the bills, so yeah. I should get. It's not a product. Yeah, it's not a service that you're getting. <laughs> you're paying for your student to get this service. It's important to make sure that kids know how to self advocate and just in general. So that's one of my other goals too. Is I'm not going to be checking your portal every single day. Oh, your grade went up. Your grade went down. I never, like, I honestly, I never check it. I get report cards just like I did before, mm-hmm. and I saw this letter go around from a on Facebook from some teacher that was like, maybe if parents checked the grades and contacted the teacher, and I was like, well, no, that's not the problem with society today. Is that parents aren't doing enough? Mm-hmm. Parents are doing too much, mm-hmm. and they need to let their kids figure out who they are and how to manage themselves. I also do it with doctor's appointments that I make the girls come up with a question to ask their doctor every time. Mm. And they have to ask it. I'm not going to ask it. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, no, because you're growing up. Mm-hmm. And when you're an adult and go to the doctor on your own, you need to know how to ask a doctor a question. That's mm-hmm. a skill you're going to learn. Well, my mother, my parents never knew anything about, I bet they wouldn't even know who my teacher was most of the time. Yeah. And in fact, when it was time for college, I filled out my own FAFSA forms and forge their signatures <laughs> the government's coming for you back to jail kelly because my mom wouldn't even have known how to do it she'd never done it before and it was somewhat complicated so and you know i don't it never it didn't hurt me one bit so i went to fafsa club yeah and i and did it figured there it out and we're fine <laughs> and i do i mean obviously i'm not going to be as i'm just a more hands-on kind of person with my kids but we did this week start telling cameron that he needs to pack his own bag Mm-hmm. for school and figure out because each day they have you know Monday they have to return their reading books and then they've got gym and then there's library so there's something they need to remember each day and we're we did start having him because he's adjusted and doing much better you know right he's much so he can handle that and I, I do think that kids need more responsibility yeah like I I would never if and I and I think we're pretty much there. If they forget, so, oh, there was one day actually that Ingrid got out of the car, and I think she was mad at me or for something because she's eleven, and went to the school, and I got to work, and I looked down, and she had left her laptop in my car, and I don't live that far from the school, but I was like, mm, no. She texted me, Mom, I forgot my laptop. Will you bring it to me. I was like, no, I'm sorry. That's the consequences of be of not paying attention when you get out of the car and I'm at work now. So no, I can't bring it to you. I'm sure you'll be fine. And because she's actually really conscientious about getting all of her stuff together, making sure she has everything. She, it sounded like the, the teachers almost kind of teased her about it all day. Like, Oh no, you forgot your <laughs> laptop. Oh boy, this is big trouble. Cause she never does. And she, she's very much a rule follower, mm-hmm. which can be a blessing and a curse if you're a rule follower. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that she, I remember when she was in kindergarten, she got in trouble one time for crawling under the table and hit kindergarten. She got in trouble for that. And one of my mentors in education, I was like, oh my God, she got in trouble. And she's like, Gretchen, 
this is what you want her to do. She feels safe enough in there to try and just see what would happen if she got in trouble. <laughs> She's otherwise not a troublemaker. It was just like this, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to go under the table. I'm going to stay there. And then she never did again. It was like, okay, we're fine. It's making sure that you give them room to experiment is important. Well, Cameron is definitely our most challenging, but I will say if he ever got in trouble at school... I would be shocked because he is like rule follower. Well, this is about the time that Ingrid tried it out. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted because so far it's been a green dot every day. <laughs> and I he in the beginning, his teacher had, I'd say, more power in the house than I did because he <laughs> if he got in trouble, he'd say, are you going to tell my teacher? <laughs> <laughs> Which just goes to show how important teachers are to a kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, in fact, this is a funny, this is a cute story. He, so this weekend, do you understand? I've told you what I did this weekend. I took the kids. Oh, yes. Okay. I, first of all, I volunteered in our church nursery all morning. Then I let Cameron had have two friends over from school and James has been painting one of our apartment buildings for weeks. So he's been completely MIA all weekend and mostly every night. So I let him have two friends from class over and, of course, I have Maxwell. So I had four kids at my house on a play date. Then I took all four kids to the planetarium on campus. Did they stay awake? Oh, yeah. It was it was for kids. No, it, I know, but even the kids ones, sometimes one of us falls asleep. Oh, no, it's cute. It was Big Bird, Sesame Street. Oh, and they were they were just a riot because then they ran into another little girl who goes to the school. So they were like a pack. They were all holding hands through the show or the planetarium seating was packed and they have a grad student who runs some Q&A and all five of them were answering all of his questions. No. And then they were talking about the constellations and they said, oh, you think a line is a dog? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they were so funny. So then I took them to the pool and we came home. Okay, so at in Cameron's classroom every day they do share they have to tell something they did the night before okay so I did all that <laughs> do you want to know what he shared what that he saw his teacher at the grocery store on Saturday <laughs> <laughs> that's like the time what was like, going on wow. was one day I had something going on or Dave had to take the kids to ski so he oh, took you them said. out yes you said so I am the one who, Dave does not ski. I am the one who takes them out, manages their lessons, manages their gear. I take them to Sugarloaf. I unbuckle and buckle their boots. I get them into their snowsuits. And I have done this happily for, uh, how many years have I been doing it? Eight years, because Ingrid started when she was three. So for eight years, every season, I am the one who, skiing is my, my thing. I take care of it. And this one day, I had to have him do it. So set him up and I was like look and then because he doesn't do it I was like okay this other mom is going to be out there she can help you out she knows how the boots work so ask her if you need any help but just thanks the next week I went I was back on ski duty buckling up Willa's boots and she says daddy does it better I (laughs) could have driven home and left them there to live on the ski hill forever and I was like no you don't get to say that. Your daddy does a lot of things that are awesome and wonderful. But this is one thing that I do best. And just because he showed up once to do it does not mean that he did it better. 
she was just, well, daddy does it better. One time. One yeah. time he did it. Oh, that is awesome. But yeah, I think for the uh, for me, I think that I wish in our society we could all have more a broader definition of success. 100%. And just to say, okay, you because know, we need people everywhere. And this is the other thing that I get a little worried about when we start really hyper-focusing on college. It's not that I don't think everyone should go to college if they want to or anything like that, but it's we almost have created a hierarchy of success in this weird, subtle way that I think mm-hmm. is unhealthy. And if you think about it, I mean, we need people in all these types of jobs and especially the trades. Oh, yeah. And we need people who can manage, who have really good interpersonal skills to work in trades. And they, and quite frankly, people who work in trades, they make so much money. Oh, yeah. They make more than you or I. Yes. So I'm not exactly sure how. Or our husband. Absolutely. Like they probably make more than Dave and I combined. Yes. And so I'm not exactly sure where we got to the society where we started to not promote certain fields and value and it's not that we don't value them but you know what i mean that the definition of success is right here oh yeah did you hear he went to harvard like somehow that or he wants to be a doctor like somehow that is put up on a success level that's perceived as better than yeah right. he's an artist or right. he's a plumber right i don't get it and we need all these things in our society and I think yeah. if I mean we need janitors right we need secretaries we need pizza delivery boys and those are the people that you want to I mean treat everyone with respect but it really frustrates me when I see people treat whether it's a waitress or a custodian mm-hmm. or the person holding the door at the airport every single person deserves I mean and it's a little thing and I don't and I'm sure lots of our listeners do this but the guy who cuts my meat at BJ's it's always a thing that I'm always like really pointed to look him in the eye, mm-hmm. take my turkey, mm-hmm. say thank you. I hope you have a great night. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I feel like it's appreciated. Maybe I'm oh, just yeah. patting myself on the back, but just because you're cutting meat and I'm not working on a Sunday because I have a Monday through Friday mostly job doesn't make me any better than you. Right. Oh, absolutely. I always get into interesting. Actually, at Hannaford, there's one person who works in the deli she's so good she always asks what i'm cooking what recipes do i have on this that's me what it, what's in it what's it taste like i've ever cooked it before am i having friends over she's so good and i love it when people really embrace their jobs of all types i don't know have you ever seen the um the video i think it was on the news at one point but it's there's a youtube of it of the woman who works at the toll booth I've probably seen it. Oh, it's so, it's awesome. She's like, hi, how's your day? Great. Have a great day. And you can, it's really easy to make a difference on someone's life in just a very simple way. Yeah. It doesn't take much, but you know, I think part of the reason why people are not happy at their jobs too is because we're constantly on a quest for something better or, you know, or some jobs just aren't perceived by society as, as successful. So therefore... You're I just automatically kind of miserable in them. That it's unfair to call things unskilled labor when there's not a real defined term. Like So you'll see that, that, oh, there's more jobs, but it's unskilled labor because every job requires a skill. And 
it, you know, whatever that skill is, it's really demeaning to all of these systems that support us through every day. You might think that a truck driver is unskilled labor, but he's yeah. What if we didn't the have them there. anymore? Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't think that exactly. And I get, I get, of course, very passionate about the nursing <laughs> area because we have an equally um, warped view and value of nurses and when they where they work. So if you work in a hospital and even within the hospital, you know there are gradients of hierarchy, like the ICU nurses or the um, life flight nurses or the ER nurses mm-hmm. or, or, or somehow, you know, you're more of a nurse if you're in those areas, whereas like a school nurse, I even I even heard a school nurse say it recently. Um, she was telling students, oh, well, don't do this job if you want to do something fancy. This is just easy. This isn't um, this isn't like the real tough stuff. And I thought, Oh, it's too bad you think that because I, from my perspective, because I see all of the nurses working in every area, the school nurses see kids every day yeah. for years. They can make sure, you know, they can advocate for them. They can make sure that they have food and um, referrals and they can work with families on tough issues like transgender health care and all of these complicated things mm-hmm. every day and develop a relationship. And I'm not I'm not devaluing any type of nurse. I think every nurse is important. I but nurses in the hospital, they just it's just episodic. They may see you for twelve hours and literally never see you again in your life. Right. So it bugs me that we even have a hierarchy in nursing of what jobs are perceived to be, you know, what smarter people go into smarter nurses or you know I see that in education too with like k-12 education I, I tell this to people all the time so I taught middle school and I always said if you teach like k-5 people think oh you must love children you're so caring isn't that sweet yeah. and if you teach high school you're like oh you must be really smart in your subject area yeah. how brilliant you are to teach a high school and if you teach middle school they say oh you're just you're crazy yeah. <laughs> for wanting to be in middle school. I get it. You're just completely yeah. nuts. Yeah. And I loved middle school because it was such a transitive time for transitory time for kids because they go in as little kids and they come out as almost adults. It's like a bizarre metamorphosis that happens between sixth and eighth grade. So I love middle school. Having a middle schooler now, I like I say, I know the enemy. I know what's coming. And that part is, that's the tough part is being the parent. It's different being a teacher of a middle schooler than it is being the parent of a mm. middle schooler for sure. Yeah, I would think that for all of those, I, I can I can see how teaching would be exactly the same for all of those levels. You need someone who's really passionate and embracing that period of time because every stage has its own set of challenges. Like the kindergarten teachers, I mean, can you imagine these kids come in? Some of them don't know their letters, and then I you've didn't... got ones who are reading. I mean, and then you have kids who are just who are boys who are turning five in October. And then you've got boys who are turning six in October because maybe their parents registered them. And then you have girls who are five and six, and girls are developmentally just more ahead anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to bridge everyone together, and while they're all, you know, transitioning to school. Do you know why I didn't want to do like K three? Because I figured if they had to throw up, they didn't know yet to go to the bathroom, and I didn't want to have to deal with vomit. Mm, that was my that. rationale initially for choosing middle school, and it, I never had a kid throw up on me, so it was good. It worked out. I think you'd be good at high school too. 
Well, college is kind of the same thing, you know. I mean, yeah, college is. I teach at the college level with adults, but I'm teaching them how to handle K K twelve. But it's kind of a nice thing to be involved in education from all levels. I think. Did, yeah. Speaking of which, did you see Betsy DeVos's sixty minutes? Oh my gosh! At ramble. My favorite quotes. <laughs> I intentionally have not visited low-performing schools. Yeah, big smile. We should be supporting children, not buildings. But this is after she posted on Twitter last week a picture of classrooms with the teacher at the front with chalkboards, with desks, and standing in rows. And we have a lot of that in college still, but part of it is funding. I mean, yep. everyone would like to have smart classrooms and innovative classrooms, but that's a building investment. Yeah. So investing in buildings and infrastructure is investing in kids. Well, it's just painfully clear she doesn't oh, it's, understand public education no. or value public education at all or can't fathom a world where a public school would be dealing with trauma and abuse and all of these things. It's just mm-hmm. it was infuriating to watch as an educator. And I know I'm not alone in that. But, you know, I will say when I watched some because I've watched a couple interviews with her, the 60 minutes, I only saw a couple clips, but I also watched she was interviewed at some town hall forum and then um, she was on the Today Show this morning. One thing I will say is that any woman out there, any man, too, but since we know that our listeners are about 98 percent women, (laughs) regardless of what her agenda is, because that's irrelevant and it's her politics are irrelevant but her preparation and her responses in any interview are so it's so clear that she does not have the experience to have that job but she confidently took it so it it says to me people out there who are not doing something out of fear should totally jump right in because (laughs) we she took this over confidently. I mean, she's confident, but think of all the very intelligent people out there who aren't confident, who could do amazing things in the world. She carries herself with the confidence of a mediocre white man. That's what, is, oh, that's what you. That's your advice. Yes, which I read some. I can't take credit for. It. I read it someplace else, but I try to remember that. Because you think about the people who just were like, yeah, I can do it. I'm sure I can wing it, make it happen. So maybe those- I, she appears. I don't think she appears confident though. She she's. When they ask her pointed questions, I mean, when they asked her about the schools in Michigan, I think she's she's stumbling she over she, her words. She stumbles over her words and she hides behind. Well, if I just smile and stop talking, maybe they'll believe me. It's so bizarre. It drives me nuts. Anyway, so should we wrap this up and hit our favorite things? Any last thoughts? Well, let me ask you one more question about sure. her. Why do you think she's been so controversial? Because has there was who was in that position? I didn't even know about that position before. Arnie she Duncan was it. in it before. She's controversial because one, she doesn't believe in public schools, and the DOE supports public education. Okay. She believes in in Christian schools and private schools and and school choice at the detriment of public schools. Two, her brother is Eric Prince, who is the founder or owner of Blackwater, which is this private military company that gets and wants more contracts from the Department of Defense to go um, provide private security forces overseas. And he was one of the guys that met with Russia in the Seychelles and all that from last week. And she's also, they're they're incredibly wealthy as a result of their family owning 
Amway, which is a multi-level marketing oh. scheme. She owned Amway? And she donated a ton of money. That's what, She bought her position and hopes to get private schools more. What she would like to do is be able to say, well, the city of Bangor pays $5,000 for our kids to go to the public school. That's what they spend in public school. She would like it to be that you say, well, I'm going to take my $5,000 and I'm going to go to this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it myself for homeschooling. Or I'm going to take it and I'm going to send that money instead of paying tuition at the Christian school here's my $5,000 from the city of Bangor and you can and they'll have it instead so when you take the money out of the schools for the kids it serves and there's no money left for the kids who are not taking that money and going and it just creates greater inequity and inequality in schools and is that how much it is per pupil 5,000 that's I made up that number like that was just an example I don't know what the per pupil is and what percentage of our taxes or whatever so basically that's what she would like to see happen. Mm, interesting. Well, you know, I've worked at private and public, and I've gone to pri- I've attended to private and public, and it's I don't like it when people trash on public school because, in most of my experiences, public school is more challenging and better, uh, more organized, and better run. Well, this actually circles back to the beginning when I said public school is when. It's not a self-selected environment. Right. And the world is not a self-selected environment. And so I am a huge champion of public schools, obviously, because I want my kids to be, I want my kids to to see all these different people, the different, the diversity that you see in a public school. And I don't mean diversity of race or income, but that's in there. But even the diversity of learners Mm -hmm. and the diversity of different things. We actually went to a, a a sports competition where there were private schools competing who did really great, had these amazing routines and talked about it afterwards. And I said, well, you know, those are schools that don't have to take kids that don't have the money to go and they don't have to take kids who might have special needs and they don't have to take kids who might have, you know, problems at home that lead to problems in school and things like that. And I said, I would much rather have the, have you be part of the crummy team that is made up of people from all walks of life than just people who are exactly like you who can have private coaches and do all that kind of stuff. But I mean, even with public schools, oftentimes, at least in our district, their athletic teams are also the best. Oh, yeah. So it's not just right. about the money. Right. At this event, it felt like there was a very clear divide between <laughs> was it public the and private. Co- cheering competition? <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> I felt like there was a divide there, but I'm like, but whatever, it's a divide. So mm. I would much rather have my kids be the cheering on the scrappy public school team than the perfectly <laughs> polished non-public school team. That would be my thought. All right. Favorite things? Favorite things. So I am going to go with uh, Sephora is going to be my favorite thing Ooh, this week. Oh, Gretchen. Because I'm still, I still have not quite landed on what I want, but Sephora has been super awesome and trying to get me there and it's a little intimidating for someone like me because their uh, their employees are very heavily made up like they have the drawn on eyebrows. I and, told you this is yeah. a new thing. I don't understand it. And so I'll say like don't it's want very I'll say I'll say you know what I say you're very made up and it looks beautiful and it's very artistic and you're very creative. <laughs> <laughs> However, I just want to look a little bit more even. And a little less 42. That's all. <laughs> fill in some gaps here. Fill in some holes and some lines. And just make me my skin tone a little bit more even. That's that's all I want. 
and I don't want it to cost a fortune and I don't want to I don't want to look that made up and they were awesome they're like well no I work at a makeup store (laughs) I'm like oh and I know and that's great and I really appreciate how artistic you are I don't want that and so they were really awesome they had a color matching tool and then they gave me six free samples and then say, if you don't like it, come back in, get six more. If you think that this color is a little bit too dark or a little bit too light, just bring back the bag. We'll go up one. We'll go down one. And they've been really helpful with that. Hmm. I'm so proud of you. And I've heard you've also bought the blending ball. I bought the blender ball. And that was on the recommendation of a listener and friend and a former student and current teacher, which ties it all in Have together. Have you tried it? I used it today. Oh, and I did notice that her makeup looked very I couldn't tell she had makeup on but I knew she'd been trying it and her skin looked looks porcelain right now and this is the way it's late at night yes this is way end of the day I bought the beauty blender and I'm gonna try that too I also bought I also bought the urban decay optical illusion primer which has like a pink tone to it but that is like a little bit of spackle for the for the crackles mm. so he just fills in, <laughs> fills in some gaps that little gap fill right there but that and I actually bought the small trial size because I had liked the sample I was like well I'll just buy that and so and I'm waiting there's a little fire in our Sephora recently oh really yeah and so they had like some sections that had to be cleaned out they had I was talking to the woman when I went the first time and they had to get rid of any open product so all the samples had to go all the brushes had to go like all all this stuff so there's a couple others that I want to try before I really commit to one product and one shade but they have been very helpful to me who is again I don't know where my children came from because Willow would color match me in a minute and she does wonderful makeup and I (laughs) struggle So that's my favorite thing, Sephora. My favorite thing is, for this week, is not so an empty nest around the corner. (laughs) I really love this store for gifts because there's man-made gifts in there from local artists, I guess Mm -hmm. we call them. I always can go in and find something unique and cute. And also, I don't like big stores. Mm -hmm. They overwhelm me. I just, I'm a, I actually hate shopping. (laughs) I hate it. I'd get, I would... I am the reason why retail... I am contributing to the reason why uh, retail stores are shutting down. You know that Target Red Card now has free two-day shipping? Yeah, I'm really excited about that, too. Okay. Because, you know, I see all these memes on Facebook that are that say, like, you don't go to Target with your list. You let Target tell you what to buy. <laughs> and all this stuff. And I just think, nope, don't feel that way. I want to go in and get what I need and get out. And in fact, when I ha- when I have to do a lot of shops... I f- I'm exhausted by it. Mm-hmm. It just drains me. I don't like shopping at all. So anyhow, I like that store because it's just fairly small and um, it's quick to find something. You can be in and you can be out and you can have something that's unique and personable and they wrap it for you. And made by an artist. And yeah, and it's supporting. Who's finding success and you're supporting local business. And, yeah, and it's in a neighborhood business too, so. Yes, awesome. So the nuts are empty nest. You can always leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can shoot us an email at balancingchaospodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I already posted an Instagram story. You will have missed it. But if you see this, if you saw it today, and then you'll know when we were recording, but I posted a picture of Kelly's uh, historical horse head. And (laughs) you'll see that in the stories. John R. Braden. Very famous horse. (laughs) 
I've never heard of him. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but apparently he's apparently all the horses know him, so that's what's important. So until next week, we will see you later. Bye. Bye.